those. I got a handout for it. Thank you, Tom. Isn't he a blessing? He's just a blessing. We, we love him. And, and uh, he's a blessing. I, I, I like him. Um, we're going to talk about something today that I think you'll find interesting. I hope you find interesting. Uh, we're going to talk about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. Wow. Boy, I tell you what, you're going to be sitting on the edge of your seat, aren't you? Yes. And uh, just something, something interesting. I'm going to teach you today how ugly religion can be. And how nasty it can be. And, 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 and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call some things to your attention that, that anybody that's born again, filled with the Spirit even, you know what I mean, speak in tongues, all of that. Uh, now I want you to listen to what I'm saying, what we're going to be reading about today. All of us have the uh, potential to become like the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Did you hear what I just said? So I'm teaching on this primarily so that none of us become like these Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes. So I have watched a lot of church people over the many, 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 many years. I'm not saying anybody in here is like this, but there's been multitudes of people come through here over the years and uh, I've seen I've had to deal as a, as a pa- thank you Thomas did you get one did you take one for yourself you get, get one for yourself now unless you want all you want to read all of them there you go thank you sir good job so anyway um, I, 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 I've watched a lot of people become like this I'm talking born again people and, and I've had to deal as a pastor uh, Jesus had a terrible time with these with these people. He didn't have any problems with the with the sinners really at all. Most of them liked him, but these people hated him, absolutely. And as a as a pastor standing in the authority of this pulpit up here, I've had to deal with this Pharisaical, Sadduceical, scribe spirit. That, and, and there's a spirit that was on these people, a devilish thing. And I've had to deal with, with this over the, over the many years. So let's talk about these people. I put this in writing for you. I think it'll be helpful. Let's, I'm just going to read it with you. Pharisees, Sadducees, Scribes. And the following contains excerpts from the website gotquestions.org. I, I drew some of my information from them, so we need to give them proper credit. Who are the Pharisees? The Pharisees were an influential religious sect within Judaism in the time of Jesus Christ in the early church. They were known for their emphasis on personal piety. The word Pharisee comes from a Hebrew word meaning separated. Their acceptance of oral tradition in addition to the written law and their teaching that all Jews should observe all 600 plus laws in the Torah, that's the first five books of the Old Testament, including the rituals concerning ceremonial purification they were strict legalists. You know what I mean when I say legalist? Just, just, just. You know how many? You know what I mean when I say legalist? We don't want to be legalists, okay? You know, you have to always wear a certain kind of a pants or a certain kind of a dress, or your hair can only be so long, or you know what I'm talking about. The Pharisees accepted, second paragraph, the Pharisees accepted the written word as inspired by God. At the time of Christ's earthly ministry, this would have been what we would call the Old Testament. Unfortunately, the Pharisees gave equal authority to oral tradition. Did you get that? So they held to the Bible, all right, but they said, oh, but we've got these other oral traditions we have to hold to also. Saying the traditions went all the way back to Moses. Evolving over the centuries, the Pharisaic traditions had the effect of adding to God's word. The Gospels abound with examples of the Pharisees treating their traditions as equal to God's word, which we're going to look at some of those in just a moment. The Pharisees were most, mostly middle-class businessmen and leaders of the synagogues. That was like a, 
the church for the Jews, if you will, okay, the synagogues. Though they were a minority in the Sanhedrin, and say, what's the Sanhedrin? That was the highest ruling body and court of justice among the Jewish people in the time of Jesus. This Sanhedrin, this council was composed of 70 men plus the high priest, okay? The Pharisees were in the minority on the Sanhedrin during the time of Jesus, but they had the most power because they were more accepted by the common people, okay? Not every Pharisee was opposed to Jesus. One such example was Nicodemus, who rightly considered Jesus a teacher who had come from God and honestly sought answers from him. Nicodemus later defended Jesus before the Sanhedrin and was on hand at Jesus' crucifixion to help bury the Lord's body. Also, the Apostle Paul was a Pharisee before he became a Christian. Did you know that? Those are the Pharisees. Now, the Sadducees. During the time of Christ in the New Testament era, the Sadducees were a religio-political group. They, they were a religious group, but they were more political than they were religious, whereas the Pharisees were more re- just religious. Sadducees were religious and political group that held uh, a great deal of power among the Jews in Israel. They tended to be wealthy and held powerful positions, including that of chief priests and high priests, and they held the majority of the 70 seats of the Sanhedrin. The Sadducees seemed to be more concerned with politics than religion, because they were accommodating to Rome and were the wealthy upper class. They did not relate well to the common man, nor did the common man hold them in high opinion. As already stated, the commoners related better to those who belonged to the party of the Pharisees. Though the Sadducees held the majority of seats in the Sanhedrin, history indicates that much of the time they had to go along with the ideas of the Pharisaic minority, again, because the Pharisees were more popular with the masses. The Sadducees uh, preserved the authority of the written word of God, especially the books of Moses, which is the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, what is it, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those first five books of the Old Testament, But the Sadducees, unlike the Pharisees, did not hold to oral tradition. While they could be commended for this, they definitely were not perfect in their doctrinal views. The following is a brief list of Sanhedrin beliefs beliefs that contradict Scripture. Number one, the the Sadducees denied any resurrection of the dead. They denied the afterlife. They denied the existence of a spiritual world, angels and demons. Now, the Pharisees did not deny these three points, okay? Also, the Sadducees' focus of power was the temple in Jerusalem. The Pharisees controlled the synagogues. You'll need to remember that. The Pharisees controlled the what? The synagogues, all right? Many of the Pharisees' uh, doctrine put them at odds with the Sadducees. However... The two groups managed to set aside their differences on one occasion, the trial of Jesus Christ. To accomplish the demise of Jesus, the Sadducees and Pharisees united. And isn't that just something? Have you ever seen two people who are at odds with one another and then they get a common enemy and they'll come together for a while? And then once that common enemy isn't there anymore, then they'll go back eventually to fight with one another, you know. I've seen that so many times. Anyway, turn the turn page over, if you would, please. Page two. Who were the scribes? The scribes, sometimes called lawyers in ancient Israel, were learned men whose business was to study the law. Okay, the, 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 the Bible, you know, what we'd call the Old Testament. Transcribe or copy it and write commentaries on it. They were also hired on occasions when the need... Uh, when the need for a written document arose or when an interpretation of a legal point was needed. The scribes took their job of preserving scripture very seriously. They would copy and recopy the Bible meticulously, even counting letters and spaces to ensure each copy was correct. We can think, uh, I'm sorry, we can thank the Jewish scribes for preserving the Old Testament portion of our Bibles. I mean, with the Pharisees, with the Sadducees, with the scribes, there was some good among them. Now, don't misunderstand me. But, but the bad overtook the good. Okay? Now, in the New Testament era, 
scribes were often associated with the Pharisees. More, you see, they were more with the Pharisees than the Sadducees, the scribes were. They were teachers, the, the scribes were teachers of people and interpreters of the law. They were widely respected by the community because of their knowledge, dedication, and outward appearance of law. Notice, outward appearance of law keeping. That's one thing you'll see. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the scribes did a real good job outwardly. They could, make you conv- they could convince you that they were just the holiest of all. But behind the scenes, they were corrupt and evil. Okay? That would be called a hippo hypocrite hypocrite means to speak from behind the mask in other words you put a mask on and and you're one way to people publicly but then when you get in private you take the mask off and the real you comes out see you ever meet anybody like that they say one thing and do another these all three groups were terrible hypocrites okay now uh the scribes went beyond interpretation of scripture, however, and added many man-made traditions to what God had said. They became professionals at spelling out the letter of the law while ignoring the spirit behind it. Have you ever met anybody like that? Greg Brady. Anybody remember him? How many remembers the Brady Bunch? Well, he, he, he wanted to uh, live by the letter of the law. And uh, he was supposed to be home at a certain time, like 10 o'clock. He made a big deal with his, his uh, mom and dad. Anybody remember their names? Mike and Carol Brady. And he said, one, one, exact words, exact words, exact words. So he told them, he said, I'll be home by 10 o'clock tonight. And if I'm not home by 10 o'clock, I won't be able to use my car for a week or something like that. That's the letter of the law, okay? Well, guess what? He got home about 10.30, But do you know why he got home at 10.30? Because when he took his girlfriend, his date, home, her parents weren't there. And for Greg to get back to his house, he was going to have to leave his girlfriend alone outside at her house until the parents got home. Well, you don't want to do that. Now, did he have a good excuse for being late? See, the spirit of that thing would be he did the right thing, correct? Correct. But the letter said he was going to be home at 10. So guess what? Since he had made a big deal about the letter of the law, he lost his car for a week. Did you get that? Uh, did, was that a good example? See, was that, did I do good? Yeah. I, did, I just thought that one up when I was standing up here. But that's a good example. See, we don't want to be like that. We want to, we want, we, we, we want to have the written word, all right? But we want to flow with the spirit, have the spirit of it as well. Do you understand? Yes or no? Yes. I thought that was a good example. Things became so bad that the regulations and traditions the scribes added to the law were considered more important than the law itself. This led to many confrontations between Jesus and the Pharisees and the scribes. The scribes' original aim was in earnest. I mean, it was a good original aim that they had. To know and preserve the law and encourage others to keep it. But things turned out horribly wrong when man-made traditions overshadowed God's word and a pretense of holiness replaced the life of true godliness. The scribes, whose stated goal was to preserve the word, actually nullified it by the traditions they handed down. So, do you know a little bit more about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes? Now, the main goals of the message today is there's two of them. Number one, we already said this, to not allow oneself to become like the scribes, Pharisees, and Sadducees. And the second one, it's real easy to do. And if you're sitting there thinking that it could never happen to you, you're the next one that this spirit's going to sit down on, okay? You, you need to be aware of this. And number two, To realize and understand that God wants more than hypocritical outward acts of righteousness. He wants an inward change of heart that is constantly yielding in love and obedience to Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? Okay, now with that said, let's go to our Bibles. I just thought giving you some background of who these people were would help you as we look at some verses here. Now, I want to note some of Jesus' encounters with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. And some I'm just going to note, and then for the sake of time, and some we'll look at in the Bible. 
I obviously can't get them all in, but I, I did my best to get the, a good representative, uh, 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 some representative things that will get the point across to you. Jesus told the paralyzed man, remember that guy that was lowered through the roof? How many remember that? And Jesus healed him, but, but, but before he healed him, I'm just stating this to you, we, won't, we could look it up, but we won't. Before Jesus healed that paralytic, does anybody remember what he said to that paralytic? He said, your sins are forgiven you, and the, uh, the Pharisees went nuts, because they said only God can forgive sins. And Jesus said, of course, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or rise, take up your bed, and walk. Now, which would be easier to say? Well, it'd be easier to say your sins are forgiven, wouldn't it? Because you could say that, and how do you really know? But to take up your bed and walk, now, now something's got to happen, doesn't it? And Jesus said that, that you may know that the son, the son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said, rise, take up your bed and walk. The paralytic was healed, which proved that Jesus was who he said he was. But do you know what? It's interesting. The Pharisees called him a blasphemer and they just had a terrible problem with it and they did not recognize nor accept Jesus as the Son of God. They called Jesus a glutton and a wine-bibber. They called him a friend of tax collectors. You see, the, the, the tax collectors in that day, the publicans, they were known as publicans also. When the Jews went to work for the Roman government and they began collecting taxes from their fellow Jews, they weren't real popular. And a lot of them were crooked. You understand that? And, and, but Jesus would be friendly with these people. Does anybody know which of his 12 disciples was a tax collector? Matthew. But they called Jesus names, they called him a glutton, a wine-bibber, or a, a, a drunkard, a friend of sinners and tax collectors. The Pharisees accused Jesus of casting out demons by the power of the devil. They essentially were assuming that Jesus had a devil, and he warned them there about committing the unpardonable sin. You never want to attribute, when, when God is moving... You never want to say, well, that's the devil doing it. That's dangerous. But that's what these people did. They saw Jesus casting out demons by the power of God. And they said, well, he's, he's doing it by the prince of, uh, uh, of, of, of the demons or the Beelzebub or whatever. That's not good, is it? They did not like Jesus. They tried to silence him. They tried to stone him or kill him on many occasions. That's what a Pharisaical spirit will do. The Pharisaical or Sadduceical or Scribeusical spirit. Now listen to me. Every single time it will get in opposition to the one that stands behind the pulpit. Did you hear me? And listen carefully. You say, well, yeah, pastor, but if it wasn't, if somebody had that Pharisaical spirit, they'd come against you, but if, but if you were replaced... The person that would come in there, there wouldn't be a problem. I beg to differ. Let me give you some proof. Who were they after? Who were the, we'll see it but as we read some more verses. But who were these Pharisees after when Jesus was here? They were after him. Didn't really have much to do, go against the disciples. They were after the one that was in authority. Once Jesus was died, was crucified, raised from the dead, went to heaven... Now who, you can read the book of Acts, guess who these people were after then? The apostles. Did you get what I just said? Did you hear what I just said? This, this, and it, it is a spirit. I'm telling you, it is a, it, 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 and, and it, it always comes against the spiritual authority, whoever it may be. Did, did you hear me? Now you just need to realize that. Now look at Matthew 12, verse 9. There was a man in the synagogue with a withered hand. 
And Matthew 12, 9, now when he, Jesus, had departed from there, he went into their synagogue. Now, who, was, who had control of the synagogues, remember? It was the Pharisees, and it's in your, your hand out there. And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand, and they, who do you think they are? The Pharisees, because they were in control of the synagogues. They asked him, they asked Jesus. Now, other gospel accounts... Um, Mark or Luke, one of them, says they not only asked him, but they watched him closely. Have you ever had anybody? Would this make you nervous? Huh? If I was watching you closely? Huh? Would that make you nervous? Or what if I was, I won't bother you. What if I was watching over your soldier only? Would that make you nervous? That's what they did. They, was wa- they were watching Jesus. And they said, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? That they might what? These, when this spirit gets on somebody, they become accusers. Accusers. It's a demonic thing. Verse 11, then he said to them, what man is there among you who has one sheep? If it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out. Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and was restored as whole as the other. Now you think everybody would be rejoicing, wouldn't you? Verse 14 says, then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him when this spirit uh, this pharisaical spirit gets on a person you could have people get healed left and right the power of God in full manifestation and they're going to just nitpick and find problems and eventually they'll want to get rid of the uh, of the one in authority you need to realize this the pharisees uh, they put all kinds in, 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 in the Sadducees and the scribes. We group them pretty much together here. You see more of Jesus dealing with the scribes and the Pharisees. But listen to this. The Pharisees put all kinds of rules and regulations on the Sabbath day. Now Jesus told them the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And there was lots of good things about the Sabbath. Isn't it one of the Ten Commandments? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy so it's good but they added so many rules and regulations I, I i was reading there the other day there was like 39 different sets of rules and regulations it's like if you were writing writing you could only write one letter on the sabbath not two and you could only erase one not two i mean that kind of stuff you follow what i'm saying it was just it was crazy and uh, Jesus, Jesus also told them, this really blessed him. He said that he, was, he told them he was Lord of the Sabbath. They didn't like that. But they had a thing about the Sabbath day. And Jesus and these Pharisees went round and round over doing stuff on the Sabbath. Doing good things on the Sabbath, as we'll see as we go. Uh, now look at Mark 7, verse 1. Are you finding this somewhat interesting so far? It's interesting. Mark 7, verse 1. Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, having come from Jerusalem. Now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, they found what? Again, these people are fault finders. And and I need to say this. Uh, This just needs to be said. Holy Ghost wants this said right here. It's not in my notes. People that have this spirit on them don't know they have it. Did you hear what I just said? They don't know they have it. They can see everybody else's faults. They can't see their own. If you go try to tell them that this is on them, they'll argue with you. Now, when they saw some of his disciples, verse 2, eat bread 
with defiled, unwashed hands, they found fault. Now, you need to know this. This was not a matter of that they weren't washing their hands with soap for cleanliness. That wasn't the issue. This was a ceremonial type of washing that wasn't being done. They weren't wore, How would you like it if we were going to eat, went into the bathroom, you're going to wash your hands, and, and, and I got off on you because you didn't wash them right? Did you get what I just said? You, 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 you rubbed them six times instead of seven. Huh? You, you, you squirted the soap with your right hand instead of your left. And I'm in there going. Did you get what I just said? Did you or didn't you? I'm trying to give you some, some, some practical. It wasn't a matter of washing hands to have clean hands. It was a matter of not doing something the, the right exact way, the way they thought it should be done. Not according to the word, but according to their tradition. Okay. Verse 3, for the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they washed their hands, notice, in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. Do you see that? Verse 4, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, couches, this was that they would sit on when they would eat, all kinds of things. Verse 5, then the Pharisees and scribes ask him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders? See, it wasn't according to the word of God. It was according to the tradition of the elders. But eat bread with unwashed hands. And it was, they didn't do it ceremonially correctly, okay? Verse 6, he answered and said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you, what? Hypocrites. Hypocrites. We already told you what that means. As it is written, did Jesus call them a name? Oh, yeah. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. He said to them, all too well, you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. I I mean, that's powerful, isn't it? The traditions of men can make the word of God of no effect. I've seen it so many times. Verse 10, for Moses said, honor your father. Now watch this. Honor your father and your mother. And he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me as Corban, that is a gift of God. Now I'll explain that. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you've handed down, and many such things you do. What was happening here is they had this korban. Most, most folk don't know what that is. I didn't either until I studied it out many years ago. But what it was, it was a tradition that they came up with. How many of you know we ought to help our parents? Is that right? And that's what the, that doesn't, I believe there's a, one of the Ten Commandments has to do with that. But what, what they did was, is they came up with what was known as korban. And what that was is, is, is if a person had money that they were going to go and help their parents with, what the scribes and the Pharisees would do is they would get that person to take that money and declare korban, which meant it was dedicated as a gift to the temple. So it was to go to the temple to line the Pharisees' pockets. Thus, they didn't have to give it to their aging parents. Can we read aloud with everything in us? Say wrong. wrong. That's a wrong thing to do, isn't it? What these Pharisees, the Corban's wrong. Ugly thing. The Pharisees were money bilkers. That's a despicable thing, isn't it? You know what I mean when I say money bilker? We've had, we've had, Preachers money bilking all the way back into the Old Testament, all the way through Jesus, all the way up to the present hour. Sad, isn't it? I remember, uh, well, when, when, when the war was going on, that Iraq war, the, you know, the, remember that? 
I heard preachers on the radio saying that if, if uh, uh, parents that had children over there, that if they'd send money to their ministry, that there'd be a special protection on their children because of that. You look at me kind of like, like you can't believe it. Hey, there's some of the most popular ministers in this nation are money bilkers. Sad, isn't it? I mean, it's an ugly thing to talk about, but it's, it's true. Be watchful of a minister that's always standing up talking about how much money he's got. Be careful. Be careful of that. I like Joyce Meyer. She could buy and sell all of them put together and she doesn't get up and talk about her jets and this and that and the other. Talks about the gospel. I can follow somebody like that. How about you? Have jets. Have as many jets as you can afford. There's no reason to belabor it and talk about it in the pulpit over and over. You want me to come in here and talk to you about my car? All the time? God's blessed me. But you you didn't buy my car. You didn't buy my house. That came from my grandparents and great-grandparents, my parents. You understand that? But I don't stand up and talk about it all the time. Hardly at all. It's a bad motive. Can you say amen? amen. Oh, you shouldn't be talking about that. You shouldn't be talk- As a minister, I'm supposed to warn you of these things. Yes. Isn't this Corban an ugly thing? Yes. It's despicable. Let me read this to you. Ritual, listen to this from my notes. Ritual without reality is what the Pharisaic religion was all about. It was also ritual without righteousness and without relationship. Jesus taught that without a personal relationship with God, ritual profits nothing. And the traditions of man should never usurp the authority of God's word. I don't want ritual without reality, do you? Did you know, I just feel impressed to say this. My wife and I was talking about this some the last couple of weeks. But one way that you can also know if this is creeping in on you is, I don't know, I'll just say it and see if I can explain it, but you get so concerned with, you get more concerned with church culture than you are with church mission. Is that right? Did I say that right? What do we mean by church culture? What's going on at everybody's church? What every minister is doing? What's going on? TV is doing? Knowing, knowing about... Knowing all the stuff going on. The latest revival or the latest prophecy. But you can't, can't in your personal life, you're not doing anything to fill God's great commission. So you know about the prophecies, the current prophecies. That the, I've known people, I know people that they can tell you what everybody and their brother prophesied, but they can't tell you anything about Zechariah or Obadiah or, yeah. Don't you think we ought to know Zechariah's prophecies more than what Brother Hagin prophesied? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I love Brother Hagin. But I want to know more what Zechariah had to say or Jonah had to say or, or Habakkuk had to say or Amos had to say. I'd like to know Daniel, Ezekiel, Isaiah. I think we ought to know more about... Now, I love Brother Hagin, but I think we ought to know more about what these prophets in the Old Testament had to say than what some of these people in our hour has had to say. Yes or no? No, I'm not against the modern day prophets, prophets. I'm not against that. But I, I know people, there's one guy came here many years ago. He could, he could tell you just everything that Brother Hagin ever prophesied. And, but, but, but he could, he could tell me something about Amos. He had no idea. Was that, who is Amos? He's a prophet in the Old Testament. Are you okay? So you can know so much about church culture. What, what's the program going on over here? What's the program going on over here? What, what is our program? What's, and there's nothing wrong with those up to a point. But when that becomes more important than reaching the lost. Did you hear what I just said? 
When, 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 when church is little more than we're going to get up, we're going to go, we're going to visit with our friends, and we're going to listen to worship, sermon, go out to lunch, and that's all fine, it's all good. But if that's an end in and of itself, then this spirit's kind of creeping in on you. Did you, did, you okay? Are you all right? All right, look at Luke 13. I hope this is helping you. Just, just, I don't want this to get off on anybody. I'm not saying that it has. I just don't want it to. And if it has, let the Holy Ghost. See, I, listen, if this has gotten off on you, I can't reveal it to you through, through coming and talking to you. I can only teach on it and then the Holy Ghost can, he has to do his work for anybody to see this. Did you get what I just said? Did you or didn't you? Look at Luke 13.10. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the... Okay. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 38 years, bent over, could no raise wise herself up, raise herself up. And when Jesus saw her, this is Luke 13.12, but when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said, Woman, you're loosed from your infirmity. That's a good deal, isn't it? And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was straight and glorified God. Isn't that wonderful? But the ruler of the synagogue, who was, of course, a Pharisee, answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on one of them and not on the Sabbath day. Now, isn't that ugly? Is that ugly? Really, I'd say that's ugly. Come on. That's ugly. Isn't that ugly? That's ugly. That's, that's, that's bad ugly. That's Wicked Witch of the West ugly. That's Wicked Witch of the East ugly. That's both of them ugly. Isn't it? And the, and the thing of it is that if those people, if this woman would have come on the other six days, she wouldn't have got healed any, on any of them. They didn't have any power to heal her. You see how ugly this is? And then verse 15, the Lord answered and said to him, what did, what did he say? Hypocrite! Does not each of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound, think of it, 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath. It's okay to do good things on the Sabbath. And when he said these things, all of that, now watch this, all of his adversaries were put to shame and all the multitude rejoiced over all the glorious things that were done by him. See, the sinners and the general people, they just loved it when, when good things would happen. Who had a problem with Jesus? It was the religious crowd. Now notice John 5. Go there. Remember there was a crippled man at the pool of Bethesda? Remember that? And he'd been crippled for 38 years. That's a long time to be crippled, isn't it? And Jesus shows up, we'll just pick up in verse 8, John 5, 8, Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. That's good news, isn't it? And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked, and that day was the, here we go again, their Sabbath. Verse 10, the Jews therefore said to him, now this is no doubt the Pharisees, scribes, these people, said to him, who was cured? Now they're talking to the man that was healed and Jesus just told him to take up his bed and walk. Now they come in and they go after the man that was just healed. And they said, it's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. Now isn't that ugly? I mean, what would a reasonable person be doing? They praise God. He was crippled 38 years. Glory to God. Man, you're healed. Let's praise God. Let's praise God. I mean, hallelujah. Glory to God. You've been healed. But this religious spirit, what does it do? It, it's not lawful for you to carry your bed on the Sabbath. Now, isn't that wicked witch ugly? That's, that's a, I just coined that phrase. That's wicked, you know, wicked witch of the West East. That's wicked witch ugly, isn't it? 
It's not awful for you to carry your bed. Now, how would you feel if you were that guy? You just got healed. You hadn't walked in 38 years, probably crippled from his mother's womb, probably, had never walked. You're, in your, you're walking, you're carrying your bed, and they're jumping down your throat because you're doing... They're not, no, but they're not excited about the healing power of God that went through you. They're just upset because you broke a little rule and regulation. Let's just practice this. Say, say wicked witch ugly. Now let's do it like we're at the baseball game. Wicked witch ugly. That's wicked witch ugly. I just coined that this morning. Is that okay? <laughs> That's good. The, the, <laughs> uh Okay, who did Jesus raise from the dead after four days? And did you know the Pharisees pitched a fit over that? And in fact, you study, if we had the time we could look, they plotted to kill Lazarus after Jesus raised him up from the dead. Because, 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 I've got to, I, because of the wonderful things he does. I, I'm having fun up here. I'm in the, we're in the land of Oz. When you come to Summit Church, you never know where you might wind up. You might wind up in the land of Oz. You might Gilligan's Island. You might, you Brady Bunch. Yeah, Brady Bunch. Yeah, yeah. Come on, we got to have a little fun when you're talking. I've got to anesthetize you just a little bit because these Pharisees are so ugly. You got to have a little anesthetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got to have a little anesthetic in you. Is it okay to have a little fun? Yes. Okay, okay. I don't mean any disrespect to just have a little fun. All right, now you want to see. Now, if these things aren't despicable enough. Despicable? Let's look at probably one of the lowest things they did. John 8, verse 2. Now, early in the morning, Jesus came again to the temple. And all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them, and the scribes and Pharisees, here's our, here's our group again, brought to him a woman caught in adultery. Now, as you study into this, how would they know where this woman was going to be and that she was going to be committing adultery? Don't you think that they would have tried to keep this woman from doing this in the first place? Try to talk her out of it? I mean, they knew where, they they caught her in it. I mean, as I've studied into it, it appears that they knew this was going to happen before it did. And they let it happen so they could take her out of that bed and bring her down to Jesus. Wouldn't wouldn't a, a loving person, a loving minister, uh, these Pharisees, if they were loving, they would have they would have tried to stop it and even we know they're not spiritual because the bible says one who is spiritual if we catch somebody in a fault if we're spiritual we're not supposed to like catch them we're supposed to what restore them is that right so these people are really despicable here they're 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 letting this sin go on they want it to go on they want it to go on did you like the way i said that they want it to go on it's terrible isn't it Why? Because they're looking to accuse Jesus. They didn't care nothing about that woman or the man she was with. All they cared about was trapping Jesus. And that's what this Pharisaical spirit will do. They don't, it doesn't care really about people. It cares about, it cares about rules, regulations for the sake of rules and regulations. Some rules and regulations are good. But they did rules and regulations for the sake of rules and regulations. Let's see if we can trap the man in, in charge. And they said to him, verse 4, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Well, that's what we ought to do when people are accusing others. We ought to just pretend like we didn't even hear it. Wouldn't that be good advice? Yes or no? So when somebody comes and they start talking bad to you about somebody else, it'd be good just to pretend as though you didn't even hear them. That's a good example. How many want to follow Jesus? I sure do. 
So when they continued asking him, they just stayed after it. He raised himself up and said to them, see, he was caught between a rock and a hard place because if he says, don't stone her, he's violating the law of Moses. If he says stoner, he's violating the law of love, which he's been teaching. So what does he do? He waits on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives him the answer. How many of you know the Holy Ghost always has the answer if you wait on him? He said, he, greatest, I think this is the coolest, slickest, best answer in the Bible. He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Wow. That's the way out of a tough spot, isn't it? And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. He, now, one thing you'll say, I say about Jesus, he was always able to disarm these, should I call them creeps? <laughs> he was always able to disarm them. The thing about it is, I call them creeps. Did you know Jesus loved those Pharisees and those scribes and he loved them he did the bible says at one point they were all gathered together and there were scribes and pharisees we didn't read it but i think it was when they lowered that guy through the roof the bible says the power of god was present to heal them including the scribes and the pharisees but you know sometimes love has to be tough and this in this particular spirit this pharisaical thing you have, uh, you have to confront it. You can't hope it's going to go away. And that's what Jesus did. He, and, and they came at him and he confronted it. And uh, verse 10, when Jesus raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Now he was the only one there without sin. He was the only one that could have stoned her according to his own word, but he, he, he didn't even do it. But then what did he say? He said, go and what? Sin no more. You see how despicable these Pharisees and scribes, and terrible, terrible. Now let, let, let's close up here in Matthew 23. Because in this chapter, Jesus gives a major warning and rebuke of the scribes and Pharisees. Almost the whole chapter, if not the whole chapter, is devoted to Jesus warning and rebuking about these guys. Now listen to this. He's going to say some amazing things here. Are you ready? Are you doing all right? Matthew 23, verse 1. Then Jesus spoke. Now notice, it doesn't say he spoke to the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. He spoke to the multitudes and to the disciples. See, sometimes people get upset with me when, you remember a moment ago when I, had, when, I, when I said, be careful of a certain minister that does a certain thing? I didn't call any names, but I said, now some people get upset when I do that. But I'm in good company. Jesus is not warning right here. He's not speaking to the scribes, the Pharisees. He's speaking to who? To the multitudes and his disciples. He's going to warn because he's, he is love manifest in the flesh, he's going to warn the multitudes and his disciples about these people. Which is something a good minister should do. But you see, a lot of times when I do that, people will say, well, he's out walking in love. But really I am. I'm walking in love. I love you enough to warn you about this stuff. Jesus spoke to the multitude and his disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. What's the word for that? It starts with an H. It is a hypocrite. They say, but they don't do. Now watch this. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders. Did you know Jesus said that his burden was easy and his yoke was, his yoke was light and burden was easy? But these guys... He said, they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves would not move them with one of their fingers. I remember years ago, when we, how many remembers when we used to take the sound system in and out of the school? And there was a guy, pharisaical thing on him, and, and, and just one way this manifests 
he would stand there and tell everybody else what they were supposed to do. Now, he's a well-able-bodied man. He'd stand there and tell everybody else what they were supposed to be doing. No, no, he didn't. He stood there and told us how we were doing everything wrong. But he never, he'd watch women walk by with big suitcases. He never lifted his finger to... Now, back then, I didn't know what I know now, so I just never said nothing. But I think today, I'd have pulled him aside privately and lovingly had a little talk with him. If you can't say something nice, just don't say nothing at all. Otherwise, pick up a shovel, you know what I'm saying? Pick up a suitcase. Verse 5. But all their works they do to be seen by men. Wow. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. Now, what in the world is he talking about? Well, a phylactery was a small square leather box containing portions of scripture, okay? And, and what these Jews would do is they would, they would strap them on their left arm or on their forehead. Because, see, the Bible said that we're supposed to keep the, the word of God in the Old Testament before our eyes and keep it before us. So they took that literally, and so they would literally strap a band around their head that had a box on a leather box, and they put scriptures in it, and they put it on their left, left arm as well. But like, can you imagine, on their head, and then these Pharisees, they, the bigger the box, the more spiritual you were. And so when they'd go to prayer, they wore them when they'd go to prayer, they had these big leather, big leather like boxes, and the big, big, and they'd have scriptures in there, thus showing everybody that they knew a lot about the Bible and and that they were spiritual, and they didn't, and their borders of their garments, that, that, that they were trying to look spiritual in their flowing robes. Listen to this. How does this apply today? Listen to this. Yeah, I think you'll like this. Jesus taught that God is not concerned with the external trappings of religion as he is with the true nature of the heart. He pointed out that it was possible to wear large phylacteries containing God's word, yet disobey God's word at the same time. So see, while these guys had these big things on their forehead, they had the word right there on their forehead, but they were disobeying all the way, weren't they? Weren't they? Hypocrites, weren't they? Likewise, in the church today, it's possible to wear a cross around your neck, pay a tithe, raise a hand in worship, or quote a scripture, all without truly acknowledging the Lord Jesus in our hearts. It's kind of like the guy that you see driving down the road and somebody uh, cuts him off and they honk, honk, honk at the guy that cut him off. They honk their horn and then as they drive up around him and then they'll maybe give him a hand signal. And then go around and cut them off. And just as they, they cut the guy off, they just cut them off. They'll zoom in there and then the guy that just got the hand signal will read their bumper sticker. Which says, honk if you love Jesus. Now that's a Pharisee, isn't it? Absolutely. It's possible to wear a cross around your neck, pay a tithe, raise a hand in worship, quote a scripture, all without truly acknowledging the Lord Jesus in our hearts. That's pharisaical, isn't it? The psalmist said, I have hidden your word, not in a phylactery, but I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not, what? Sit against you. Now let's read on. We're almost finished. Let me get to my last page here. Verse 6. These Pharisees and scribes, they love the best places at feasts. The best seats in the synagogues, greeting in the marketplaces. They love to be called by men, rabbi, rabbi, which is teacher, teacher. See, they were into status. Verse 13, and then when Jesus starts using the word woe, that's, that, that's, that's a sign of judgment. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For, now, this is Jesus talking now. For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. You neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Were these guys preventing people from going to heaven? Absolutely. In the Sermon on the Mount, you don't have to turn there, but Jesus said this. He said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And then verse 14 here, Matthew 23, 14. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses... 
and for a pretense make long prayer. Think about that, widows' houses. Don't tell me these weren't not wicked, witch, ugly people. Devour widows' houses for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel land and sea to win one proselyte. That means a convert to Judaism. And when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourself. Now this is our Lord and Savior doing the talking here. And people think I'm rough sometimes and tough in the pulpit. I ain't got nothing on Jesus. And then verse 16, Woe to you blind guides! Remember what Jesus said in another place? He said he called them blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will what? Fall in the ditch. Verse 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. This is very interesting. They would take the seeds. Listen to this. They take the seeds from these plants, this mint, anise, and cumin. They take the seeds. Let's think about little watermelon seeds. And, and, and somebody gave us a watermelon, so now we've got to take the seeds out and we've got to count them out because 10% of them have to go to... the. T- Only these were a lot smaller than watermelon seeds and they'd be counting out and they'd, they'd have to tithe on it. You understand what I'm saying? How many's getting what I'm saying? Just They almost need a magnifying glass to count these out because they wanted to be... Sh- and, and Jesus said, hey, you're doing this, but you've neglected the weightier matters of the law like justice, mercy, and faith. You see, Jesus was all for the word, but he was for the spirit of it. I mean, I've known of people over the years, that, I mean, they'll, 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 they'll tithe all right. And, 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 and the way I've always done it, like if my tithe was $39.12, guess what I'll put in? I'll put 40 I'm not picking on nobody because I don't, I don't know what you do. But if mine is $39.12, what will I put? I'll put in 40 But these guys, huh? what do you think they're going to put in? $39.12. And then they're going to turn around and talk bad about you behind your back. You see, they had the, they had it, they had the letter of it, but not the spirit of it. And then I like what Jesus said. He says this. He says, look what he says. Blind guides, you strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. What does that mean? That means that they would take a strainer. How many of you ever, you had a strainer at home? And, and, they, and they'd, they'd pour their drink through there to get a little gnat. From, they didn't want to swallow that little gnat. But yet Jesus said, you'll turn around and swallow a whole camel. What do you mean by that? They were so caught up with the little bitty nitpicky stuff that they missed the big picture of faith and love and mercy and forgiveness. Did you get that? Verse 25, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside of them will be clean also. You know, if we clean up on the inside, the outside would take care of itself, wouldn't it? Verse 27, Woe to you! Scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautifully outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Wow, that is, I mean, he's, he's teeing off on these guys, isn't he? And they had every, every bit of it coming. Jesus is love manifest in the flesh. Can you be angry and sin not? That's what, he, that's what was going on here. And he was warning his disciples. He was warning the crowds. Be careful of these. Verse 28. Even so you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. And I say, oh yeah? Therefore you are, then Jesus said, you are witnesses against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. No, these guys wouldn't murder the prophets. They murdered the Son of God. And in another place, Jesus looked at him and said, you are of your father, the devil. And then he said he was a 
in the lust of your father you'll do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And these were murderers. These were the people that were behind the crucifixion. So I'll close right here. I'm done here. Matthew 16, verse 6. Did you get anything out of this today? It's interesting. Is it okay if I get off and talk about the Brady Bunch once in a while? Or or just have a little little fun as we go? Like I said, you got to be anesthetized a little bit here with these people who are so despicable. Matthew 16, 6. Jesus said to them, this is to his disciples. He said, and I'm leaving you with this thought. Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, they thought he was talking about bread. But if you come down to verse 12, he's not talking about bread. He says at the end of that verse, he's warning them about what? The doctrine, the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Did Jesus warn people about false things and He sure did, didn't he? Well, let's close with something I don't normally do. Take three or four people. Raise your hand and tell me something you got out of this. Anybody? Yes, sir. Right on the money, yeah. And the key to that is squelching that spirit without damaging the person. But very good. Anybody else? Let's see if we can.